This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the health department has confirmed 5,558 new cases of COVID-19. That's the highest daily increase in more than two months. The state also reported 57 more fatalities. Governor Ron DeSantis travels to Fort Myers to announce the end of most state restrictions on nursing home visitation. What we're trying to do on this um, is really empower the residents, the families, and the facilities uh, to be able uh, to make uh, good decisions. Donald Trump is back today for rallies at the Villages in Central Florida and Pensacola in the Panhandle. The ghosts of the 2000 Florida recount still haunt the Sunshine State, but one of the key figures in that drama says it won't happen again this year. We've had four presidential elections since 2000 with no problems. Now, when I say with no problems, elections are a messy business and there are always localized problems, which are sometimes blown out of proportion. But we've had no significant, no real problems in those four elections. Barry Richard was the attorney for George Bush during that recount. He says Florida has fixed its election laws. These days, he's more concerned that the president seems to be undermining the elections with all his complaints about voter fraud. Donald Trump and Joe Biden squared off last night in their final debate before Election Day. But wouldn't you rather hear from Carl Hyacin and Dave Barry instead? Me too. Well, this is the dread we live with every four years since uh, Gore versus Bush 2000. Every Floridian lives in mortal fear of the four-year election cycle and that the presidential contest will come down to Florida. They're claiming they have it under control. They have it figured out. I don't know. I'm a little worried. Uh, my wife and I voted on Monday. My ballot was in Russian. Their bottom line on the election? Well, Hyacin and Barry say they're expecting a Florida shit show. That's a quote. They spoke at a virtual fundraiser for the First Amendment Foundation. You'll also hear them sing a Florida woman song later at the end of the podcast. So, you have been warned. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, October 23rd. On this date in 1983, 241 soldiers at a U.S. Marine barracks in Beirut were killed by a truck bomb. A French Army barracks in Lebanon was also hit that same morning. They lost 58 troops. A surge in new COVID cases, the state health department reporting 5,558 new infections Thursday. That's the highest one-day total since mid-August. The number of infections in Florida now exceeds 768,000. The state also reported 57 additional fatalities. That increases the statewide death toll to 16,470. At the start of the pandemic, the governor banned visitation at nursing homes and senior care facilities to protect the people most likely to die if they're infected. But Ron DeSantis began allowing visitation in a limited way again in September, and now he's pretty much thrown open the doors. Children are once again allowed inside nursing homes, and families can meet their relatives outdoors regardless of a facility's infection rate. DeSantis also says residents of nursing homes and living centers will be able to leave for overnight holiday visits with their families. He claims the ban on visitation saved a lot of lives in the early days, but is no longer needed. That was uh, a decision that, that was made uh, to try to mitigate the effects of COVID-19. And, and I think it did do that. And, and I think we had fewer outbreaks as a result of that, as well as other things. Uh, at the same time, uh, that's a decision that comes with costs. And the costs are uh, depriving uh, residents from being able uh, to be with their loved ones. Now, you're able to do FaceTime, and we sent iPads to a bunch of facilities. Some of them you could do some, some other types of, of, uh, of distance visitation, but um, it's just not the same uh, to, to be 
uh, in a facility and not be able to be with people that you love, not be able to hug them, um, and so on and so forth. And so uh, as we were dealing with the, the outbreak over the summer and the Sun Belt, uh, I was very much concerned about the effect that this was having. Uh, yes, we need to mitigate the effects of this disease, uh, but this virus is not the end of all health issues. Uh, health is about people's physical, mental, uh, emotional, social well-being, and so mitigating one virus needs to be done, but it shouldn't be done to the exclusion of anything else involving people's uh, well-being. And so uh, we looked at it and said, you know, we now have huge amount of testing capacity. We have enough, P no one is without PPE. We have all the PPE we need. We know certain ways that you can mitigate this. Even having these things on lockdown, you still have outbreaks that happen. It's not like you're 100% guaranteed, even if you don't allow any visitation to not have COVID. We've seen, I mean, in the, in the Miami outbreak, there were a lot of those facilities that had it. So we're like, all right, we're just gonna have to mitigate, but we can't not have visitation, so we're gonna do the visitation. We understood that that may carry a certain amount of risk in terms of, you know, you have one more person, who knows? Um, and so that was something that we were cognizant of. Uh, but I can tell you, I think there's something about when people are happier, when their spirits are higher, when the families are involved. I think, it, I think the staff performs better. I think it's just a better mix. And so since September 1st, we've actually seen the number of cases in long-term care facilities statewide decline by 70%. And so this was something that we were bracing to see some outbreaks, uh, and yet it's been a really steep decline. And so I think it just goes to show that I think when you have a more holistic approach, uh, I think that that better addresses some of these other concerns about social well-being, uh, mental well-being. But I also think in many respects it's a, it's a better approach uh, for dealing with COVID-19 as well because I think, everyone's, I think everyone's spirits lifted and I think that the mitigation is that much more effective. And so today, I think the families have just universally been very, very happy with being able to be reunited with, with their loved ones. And, you know, I hear people say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have Thanksgiving this year or this. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, shouldn't individuals be in the position to be able to make those determinations? And if a family is in a situation where they're, they're behaving in a, in a safe way and the facilities are doing what they need to do, you know, we need to be able to have, have family connections. This is very, very important. What we're trying to do on this um, is really empower the residents, the families, and the facilities uh, to be able uh, to make uh, good decisions. 6,591 residents and staff members of long-term care have been killed by COVID since the start of the pandemic. 1,800 of those fatalities have occurred in the seven weeks since limited visitation was resumed. The president holds two campaign rallies today in the Sunshine State, the first at the Villages in Central Florida. He'll be speaking at 4.30 at the Villages Polo Club. Doors open at 1.30. The second rally takes place at the ST Engineering Hangar at Pensacola International Airport. Doors open at 4. Donald Trump's expected to speak at 7. All attendees will be required to go through a temperature check, and they'll be instructed to wear a face mask, but they are not required. Hand sanitizer is available. If the presidential contest seems a bit chaotic right now, you can take some solace in the fact that no matter what happens on November 3rd, it really can't get much worse than the Florida recount of 2000, when it took more than a month to decide who would be the next president.
Tallahassee attorney Barry Richard was lead attorney for the George Bush campaign 20 years ago. He promises there will not be a repeat of the endless recounts that made Florida an international punchline. We've had four presidential elections since 2000 with no problems. Now, when I say with no problems, elections are a messy business and there are always localized problems, which are sometimes blown out of proportion. But we've had no significant, no real problems in those four elections. Also, we have 26 states uh, that have had early voting already for more than a week, some of them for a month or more, with no real problems. So I don't anticipate any real problems. But I do expect there'll be legal challenges. There have already been legal challenges. They're different than 2000 and 2000, with one exception, which went largely unnoticed. Uh, the challenges were post-election. This time, we've seen hundreds of challenges around the country pre-election. And the difference is that in 2000, we had a known problem. Everybody acknowledged it. It was related to the uh, design of two ballots, the Palm Beach County butterfly ballot and the one which was the one that caused all of the 36-day delay, the punch card ballot. Uh, the reason I don't think there'll be a repeat is this. That was because of a an unusual combination of circumstances. For one thing, it all came down to one state and a difference of 537 votes out of the millions cast in the country. Now that could happen again, of course, but you would need the, the additional circumstances that made this difference. Uh, one of them uh, was the defective uh, ballot, which was the punch card ballot. We don't use that anymore. I don't think anybody uses it anymore. Everybody, to my knowledge, uses the ballot where you have little bubbles and you color them in with a pen or a pencil, and they've proved to be very reliable. I don't expect we're going to have that problem. We haven't had that problem either locally or nationally with the optical reader of bubbles. The other issue was Florida statutes in 2000, which had been cobbled together over decades and were largely designed for a local election. They were highly inefficient. And they caused the problem. There were two different ways that you could challenge an election. One was at the county canvassing board uh, level, and the second was in the circuit court. And Gore used both of them. The Florida legislature, to its credit, has fixed the statutes. That can't happen again. We've eliminated the county protest, and we only allow the challenge if there is a certain narrow a difference in the percentage of the vote, and then it's just a machine recount again. So we're not likely to have a repeat of what we had then. He may have worked for the GOP during the recount, but there is no love now for Donald Trump. Richard says he's frustrated that despite all the best evidence, the president keeps claiming the vote-by-mail system is plagued by fraud. So that is a problem. It's a problem particularly because President Trump has uh, energized his base to believe that if he loses, that it's going to be because of some fraudulent conduct. We have no history of that kind of fraud. We have occasional local fraud, but it would be almost impossible to affect the national election by actual fraud because this country is too big. One of the things that causes delays is that our election process is so splintered, but it's also one of the things that makes it safe. Think of the thousands of supervisors of elections or whatever they may be called in different jurisdictions. You would have to have an incredible uh, organized uh, fraud to be able to do enough 
to affect the election. And the daunting nature of it is such that it's not likely anybody would attempt it other than uh, social media uh, from Russia or Iran, uh, but not in terms of the actual ballots themselves. We've had mail-in voting uh, in the country for years without any problems. And in many ways, the mail-in uh, voting is even more secure uh, than, uh, than in-person voting. So I don't expect any problem with fraud. Uh, and I don't think anybody working in the process expects a problem with fraud. Uh, the fact is, I don't believe uh, that President Trump has any rational basis for the things he says. I think he says whatever comes into his head and whatever he thinks will uh, gain him more votes. Uh, I don't think that's a problem because I think that nobody in this country other than his core base pays any attention to what he says anymore. I think the bigger problem that we have is the disinformation that we see through social media, which is a, a social problem that we recognize. I think people realize uh, that it's there, but it doesn't make any difference. It still has an influence upon uh, what people think. And the second problem with it is, I think that uh, in the long run, it's making it very difficult for people to know who to believe. There was a time in this country when people believed the news media. They believed the major newspapers, and they believed the major uh, broadcast stations, but nobody knows who to believe anymore. And the other problem is we have some uh, news media that is itself not truthful. I think that's a very serious problem in this country. And uh, I don't know what the answer is, but we need to get a handle on it. We need to give people a source of information that they know is factual. I, I listen to BBC because I feel like in many instances, I get more uh, objective news about the United States election from the BBC than I do from some of our news media. Next up on Sunrise, you'll hear from two of Florida's best journalists and authors as they riff on one of the oddest presidential races we've ever seen. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to Sunrise. Carl Hyacin and Dave Barry are two of our state's best and most popular authors. They cut their teeth in journalism working as reporters and columnists during the glory days of the Miami Herald, and they're still churning out the copy. The First Amendment Foundation of Florida brought them together this week for a virtual fundraiser and let them basically riff on just about anything, starting with the race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Dave Barry is concerned. It's a little bit terrifying what we are looking at here, folks. The election that's coming up. The New York Times has a uh, headline, I hope you can read it there, which says, Election Day in Florida, what could go wrong? Carl. Do you think anything could go wrong in Florida this year? I think it's big news if it goes smoothly. Then, then we got. Then you've got a story. You can assume that everything's going to go wrong. I mean, that's the. Well, this is the dread we live with every four years since uh, Gore versus Bush, two thousand. Every every Floridian lives in mortal fear of the four year election cycle, and that the presidential contest will come down to Florida. It's, we were like this year, I'm praying for Georgia. Georgia looks like it will screw this up worse than we usually do. Can't happen. 
You don't think so? I mean, they, I, I'm praying that anybody, I just want to go to bed election night. It's really, I just want to know that we're not waiting on results from Sumter County, Florida. That's all I want to know, to determine who's in the White House. We, we do have a terrible, terrible record. Every Floridian remembers 2000 when every other state was able to figure out whom it had voted for. In Florida, like early in the night, I think they called it for Gore, then they called it for Bush, then they called it for Gore again. I think briefly William Shatner uh, was leading down here. And then, you know, we went, we entered that it was two or three weeks of just hell with the hanging chads and the this, that. And uh, it, 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 was, it was a disaster. They're claiming this year, they're assuring us this year, Florida, I mean, and we are basically, everybody agrees, we are the critical state this year. They're claiming they have it under control, they have it figured out. I don't know, I'm a little worried. Uh, my wife and I voted on Monday, we, we did our, we got mail-in ballots and we brought them to the polling place and dropped them. My ballot was in Russian. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding, I think. But I'm worried, I'm worried that, that uh, we're gonna go to bed election night not knowing. And even if we sort of know there are gonna be challenges all over the place. Um, and my question, Carl, what do you think is gonna happen? Let's say the polls seem to show Biden leading most of the, most of the places. If let's say the, the networks call it for Joe Biden uh, election night or early the next day or some point the next day, I find it hard to believe that, that Donald Trump is gonna say, yeah, okay, no, he's not. I, I think he'll declare victory no matter what the polls are showing, because that's his nature. And uh, and then he'll contest. And then now it's it's tightened up in several states. They thought were pure, easy, dumb, slam dunk. Reds, it's tightened up in Iowa. It's tightened up in places. Texas polls are now tight um, between the two of them, which they never dreamed would be contested. So he's going to have a lot of fire to put up. But it's easy for him to just to walk into the field walk wherever he's going to be and say I, I won and hope and try to affect the vote out west before the polls close out there I know I think it's going to be are we, can we say shit show can we say that yeah Neil was there, we have a ruling on that whether we can say shit show if we can't say shit show we will not say shit show we will not we will retract well you can say shit show and you should say shit show so okay the Pointer Institute, the very prestigious. I've got a whole ethics center here that says shit show is allowed. They, they, they're going with shit show. Okay. Florida shit show, yes. There was, of course, a serious side. They are both concerned about disinformation. Hyson and Barry say if you really want reliable news, subscribe to your local newspaper. You know, the ones who hire real reporters to cover issues in your hometown. Your calendar of events starts at 9 with a meeting of the Florida Board of Speech, Language, Pathology, and Audiology. It's online. The Ethics Commission meets at 11 in the Capitol. The State Child Abuse Death Review Committee meets at 12.30. And seven more counties will open for early voting on Saturday. Bay, Glades, Gulf, Hamilton, Suwannee, Union, and Walton counties. The rest opened earlier this week. A Florida woman is accused of shooting a man in a public's parking lot after he gave her counterfeit cash during a drug deal that they had set up through Snapchat. Police in Boynton Beach have charged 21-year-old Michaela Francisco with aggravated battery using a concealed firearm during commission of a felony and improper exhibition of a firearm. Francisco told detectives the guy tossed counterfeit money into her car after she handed him the bag of weed, so she pulled out her gun and fired several shots as he drove away. He was hit, but the injuries are not life-threatening. Finally today, another Florida man song. 
Okay, Florida Woman, actually. It was written by Dave Barry and Carl Hyacinth after they saw a story about a Florida woman who pulled a small alligator out of her yoga pants during a traffic stop in Punta Gorda, where they also discovered she had turtles in her trunk. You ready? The song goes a little something like this. Remember your part, Carl, right? It occurred in Punta Gorda. Did they break the law? Well, sort of. There was a stop sign, but they did not stop. Her boyfriend's bladder ceased to function somewhere west of Yeehaw Junction. So they moved past and never saw the cop. But she had turtles in her trunk and a reptile in her pants. She was just a smuggler punk and she never had a chance. She was busted for possession. She made a full confession, so don't hate her for the gator in her pants. Her yoga pants. Don't hate her for the gator in her pants. And that's our song. That that was performed live at the uh, Miami the Miami Book Fair. Miami International but had its and that was its first live performance of that song. And this this was its last. We're putting it to bed now. That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.